of the biggest thing I've gained from, you know, accomplishing these these small goals that I have, you know, moving to the tropics or having a job working from home is that made me realize that like these things don't necessarily make you happy. It's just like what's going on inside your mind that's um, you know, impacting your emotions and, and the emotions you feel. So mindset's everything. It's who you are internally. That's what is ultimately gonna, you know, create a, a blissful life for you. Hi, I'm Antoine JD, Antoine Jolicard de Roche. I'm a vegan triathlete competing half Ironman Ironman races, and you're listening to the JD Podcast, a podcast about health and mindset, where I talk to athletes, health experts, entrepreneurs about lots of different things. And today I'm excited to share my chat with Gaidis Litvitis. He's a vegan cyclist, a digital nomad, which means he lives by making YouTube videos and Instagram posts. And he also works as a cyclist coach online. And it was a really cool chat. He talks about uh, his move from Chicago to Hawaii. Uh, I was able to, to make a living as a digital nomad and uh, talk about life, veganisms and so much other stuff. So I hope you enjoy. And if you do, please share on uh, social media. That helps a lot. Also subscribe to the podcast and also please write a review on iTunes. That helps a lot for the ranking and that helps people to discover the, the podcast. So without further ado, here's my chat with Gaitis Vitis. Yeah, Gidis Levitis. It's a Lithuanian name. My parents were born there. They they raised me there, and then we migrated to Chicago when I was six, and grew up my the remainder of my childhood there. Awesome. So have you have you gone back there uh, since you were uh, six or? Lithuania. Yeah. Eastern Europe. No, I actually haven't. Once we left, we, we we left. I mean, my parents came back to visit their parents once in a while, but I never went back. Most of our real close family is, is based in Chicago. So that's where we we ended up sticking around. And like like I said, uh, you, you went on a vacation uh, back in Chicago to see your family and everything. So how do you, because now you're living in, in Hawaii, Uh, how is it to, to go back to, to your to your home and uh, like it's almost like a completely different lifestyle no to go from Hawaii to, to Chicago yeah you know going back in the summer and visiting you know the weather is very similar you know in the Midwest it's hot and humid just like it is here in Hilo Hilo Hawaii where I live um, but yeah the culture is very different you probably experienced in Hawaii but Everyone's a lot more chill here. You know, people drive slower. There's this like inner island connection between other people. You feel like you're on the small island. And uh, yeah, the mainland when I visited just feels a little bit more serious. Um, and, and, and it's just a different lifestyle. Like Hawaii is just like, you know, these rural, these rural towns, like people living on farms, like people just buying land, building their houses up. Etc. We're on the mainland's difference, like corporate world, buy a house. You know, people like build their houses here. They live in shipping containers and stuff like that. So it's real, real roots living. It's like real off grid. It feels like not completely off grid, but it feels like it here. 
yeah for me like to come back for like from from hawaii to go back to montreal it was a pretty big shock like i really love it in in hawaii i was actually i was living in uh, wakoloa and then i went to uh, captain cook for uh, one week and like it's just so beautiful that like it's so like peaceful so zen and like the weather is pretty much perfect it's like when I arrived, it was the, the hurricane. So I was like, <laughs> the weather was bad for a few days. But after that, it was like, wow, like, I wish I could like live there forever. And it's cool that you, you made the, like the choice and like the move to, to go to Hawaii and like live that awesome, awesome lifestyle. Cause I think that a lot of people would love to do that, but they don't have like maybe the guts or the, like they don't take the steps, which is like, I think everyone can do it. As you say, like in your Instagram and everything, like. You just need to, to take the tiny steps to to go through that process of like changing your lifestyle and changing your life if you want to to do that. Because for some people, it's scary to to do a big change like like you did from like to go to Hawaii and like go to a completely like it's not it's the same country but it's completely different like universe also almost. One hundred percent. One thing I, I have to say about that is that you know I didn't feel like I came to Hawaii. I feel like Hawaii came to me, actually. Um, I actually got a job opportunity out here on the Big Island, um, and I actually never really thought about moving to Hawaii. Like, I would watch some videos, pros and cons of, you know, Hawaii and the Big Island, and I, 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 I thought it was too expensive, you know, and it seemed like it rained a lot. And um, But where I was living in Massachusetts at the time, I was just working a regular chef job. I was a chef, and... Um, I was training and I'm like, I, I would love to live in the tropics and be able to train all year round outdoors because um, the winters are so brutal. So I had it in mind that I wanted to move to the tropics and I was thinking Chiang Mai, Thailand because it's inexpensive to live there and I thought I could pull that off more so than Hawaii. But right around that time when I was trying to make that decision, I got a phone call from an ex-coworker and was like, you know, because she used to chef with me. I was a chef. She's like, why don't you... You know, there's this guy in Hawaii that wants to start this little vegan food business there. Why don't you go out there and help him chef for it? So, so, um, so it kind of came to me. Someone called me up and gave me a job opportunity to move out here. So, and uh, I'm grateful I took it. I've, I've stuck around here uh, ever since. I've left that job, but now kind of live, you know, a more digital life, just working from the laptop. And was it a full? Like completely vegan uh, restaurant, or it was like a restaurant with some vegan options, or right, the one here in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, that you work for. Um, so it was real. It was it was a startup business. It literally just got branded. The kitchen was just built. It wasn't even a restaurant. It was literally in one of the smallest, like isolated spots on the Big Island. It's like it was in Waiohina, Hawaii, in the Kau district near South Point, near Green Sands Beach, if anyone's been to the Big Island. But super isolated, this guy just owned a property. He was like, I'm going to build a commercial kitchen. I'll build some cabins for the workers to live in, and they're going to you know, help me grow this business. So basically, I was just chefing at a commercial kitchen and selling food at farmer's markets and natural food stores. So it was kind of like a little bit of a work trade operation. We were, you know, we were splitting profits. Um, as the business was growing. So that's kind of the setup it was. And talking about Elo, and I talk about like the hurricane, because hurricane, Elo was uh, quite damaged by the hurricane. And also, there was the volcano like not too long ago. Where do you, where you live? Was it 
damage or anything or was it is your was your house okay or right so i was fortunately you know away on vacation i, I did check out with my roommates that i live with and asked them if the house was affected by the hurricane and, and we were not really affected we were i guess we were there was some flooding going on in our backyard like i had some bikes back back out back just kind of locked up under this you know sheltered roof spot and um yeah my you know the water was like up to above my rims it was water starting to leak into my into my wheels so they ended up having to like bring my bikes inside so we just got like minor flooding around the house things just got super damp inside the house and um i know down in hilo town which is closer to the sea level i live up in the hills okay so all the, all the water and all the rainfall is just washing down into the ocean and down in hilo town i heard there was some some more severe flooding and i heard a mudslide happening I yeah i saw know. some videos it was pretty pretty crazy so that actually happened huh yeah i just heard rumors so uh why do you choose like in all uh, big island why do you choose elo compared to another place like for me i it's one of my favorite places because i feel like the just the vegetation there it's so awesome it's just so different than like maybe uh kona but like what was your decision to to go there at first well uh, i was on the verge of leaving my job at that small kitchen down in waiohinu and um You know, I wanted to stop working so I can focus more more of my time on my online cycling coaching business and, and my YouTube videos. And um, I had a group of friends that lived out here in Hilo, and they always got roommates transitioning back, you know, out and out and in. And um, you know, a room opened up, and they asked me if I wanted to move in, and I was like, I was ready to give up my day job chefing, and uh, you know, I came out here to Hilo. So. Again, yeah, I didn't really choose Hilo. It just kind of came to me. And um, but I love Hilo because it rains a lot. I mean, that's a that's an adversity. It, it rains. It's it's the town. It's the town. It's the it's the it's the town in America that gets the most rain. You know, gets the most rain out of any city or town in America. So that's kind of an adversity as an endurance athlete who wants to train outside. But um. But, I, you know, I like about it because there's a lot of culture here. There's a lot of Hawaiian culture here. Um, you know, Kona, on, on Kona's side, there is still heavy Hawaiian culture, but, you know, it's it's not as much of a culture culture shock there than it is here. Here, it's it's real ground roots. I mean, and, and the biggest difference, like, the, yeah, there's not a lot of white people living here. <laughs> there's more white people living in Kona and um I like how it's so rooted in the Hawaiian culture. I like that aspect to it. Yeah, because I feel like Kona it's nice, but it's a bit maybe too much like touristy and like it, you know, to, like it's almost like two different like two different places yeah. completely. C compared to Oahu, which I've never actually been there, but I'm sure Honolulu is the most touristy spot yeah. on yeah, sure. Hawaii Islands. Kona, when I go to Kona, it's actually not too bad. I mean, there's more white people, but. There's still some good Hawaiian culture there. I, I think the Big Island is just super rad, and yeah, I love the Hawaiian culture here, and uh, I hope it stays strong. So, as long as we don't take over, which is uh, it's you know, it's something you got to keep in perspective. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, what I love about Kona, though, it was since I'm a triathlete, like just to see, like, see the start of of the swim, the finish line, like Avi, uh, Palani Road, and like the Energy Lab was like just, it's like it's like a legendary place, and like to be able like to to train there to see like what it's like, and like I always hear about the crazy wind, but like it's like I always thought like oh, I I've raced in crazy wind condition and hard condition, but like when you actually experience the the big win you're like wow it's completely different and like that's why like a lot of people like are really good at at Ironman racing and triathlon like we've seen uh, Chris McCormack like dominate uh, Olympic distance and Ironman and when he he went for in in Kona for the first time he thought he was gonna win and dominate and then he had so much prob- problem in the first few years because it's a completely new beast and like you almost need to like embrace that it's a completely different race and that's why like i don't know if you know uh, chris lieto who's uh who used to be a pro chris athlete Lieto? yeah now now he, absolutely now he lives in hawaii because he wanted to like be sure that he's able to deal with the with the elements and because he's a heavier guy he's like okay well i'm gonna be able to to deal with the heat and the humidity and and the wind and everything it's like you need to experience it uh to to actually understand what it is because it's pretty crazy. Right. Yeah, man. It's cool that you experience, experience the conditions. I'm sure if you haven't already, I'm sure one of your goals is to race in the world championships, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so if, when, if someone asks you, like, what do you do in life? What's your, like, what's your, like, regular answer that you usually say? Well, I'll just say, you know, the things that literally I'm doing are, you know, I'm a YouTuber and I create training plans on training peaks and I'm a cycling coach, you know, and I, I create content on social media. It's really what I do. Um, and that's considered my job. That's how I make an income. Um, but I'm always, you know, I, I feel like, you know, this journey and this life is, is way more than just your job titles. Yeah. I'm honestly just trying to follow my heart you know, and trying to make sure I'm doing the right thing, the thing that's, you know, gonna impact the most people. And at the same time that I really enjoy doing, you know, so I'm constantly on the quest of self-realization and, and making sure I'm doing exactly what I love. So yeah, there's, there's the objective answer. And then there's the, yeah, and I guess when you coach too, you're not only coaching cycling, right? You're also coaching nutrition, like veganism, and like also like mental training and spirituality. You know, you're not just like giving workouts and like okay, and you need to do a two-hour ride and that's it, right? I, that's actually what I, I. That's what I actually do. Um, I actually do prescribe mostly training plans. I give a little bit of spiritual and nutritional advice through some other platforms when people just want to sit down and talk to me. But when it comes to training, it you know it's just, it just tends to be strictly training, and um, it makes me want to evolve it into something else now. Since you mentioned it, you know. Yeah, because I feel like because Misu, I coach a few people, but not, the more I coach and the more I compete, also by myself, I realize that coaching is and training is much more than just the the training. Is also like especially like in triathlon or in cycling, which is super long events. The mental aspect is such a huge thing so that if a coach only talks about the training and don't talk about like the mental which can be a big limiting 
limiting factor, especially like we talk about like Ironman Kona, which you're you're racing for eight nine hours in the crazy heat in like ninety percent humidity. If you're you're not you haven't trained your brain and your mental, you're probably gonna like break down the uh, in the energy lab or something like that. So do Absolutely. is it something that personally also you you try to train as like a, as an athlete or absolutely i feel like that's what i'm working on right now um this past year it's really funny but this is gonna sound like a really similar story to what lionel lionel sanders experienced that mantra and block um i actually made a video three weeks before his his race vlog and he talked about like how he was like went vegan he like you know restricted his calories because he wanted to be at a lower weight he depleted his um, glycogen stores and he didn't perform well and I feel like that's what happened with me this past year so I've gone through this like big adversity in my training I feel like I've burnt out this year because I was trying to do the same thing I was trying to restrict my calories because I wanted to look lean and mean and I wanted to be fast um, climbing up hills and, and running um, and that ended up leading me to like eating disorder tendencies and also just not enough glycogen in the legs and I couldn't perform as well. So it was like a big learning lesson for me this year. And I'm and it's and it's also led to not loving the sport enough. So I'm trying to like reignite the love for the sport. And I think that's really important. And I think that also factors in your mental state of mind. Um I, I do think we need to be looking at the cup half full and half empty. Um So I'm working on my own mental game right now. I've always just been in love with endurance sport. I love how it makes me feel empowered and leaves me off, you know, buzzing with good vibes for the rest of the day. Um, but right now, you know, I'm, you know, just like I was saying earlier, I'm always trying to listen to myself, find my purpose, what's going to give me most impact. But I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Being a vegan athlete, you know, helps inspire a lot of people. But I want to make sure I'm. I'm really enjoying it because I know and you're enjoying enjoying something there's a lot of love behind it. Um, I think it's gonna you know go out into the world in a more positive light. But yeah. I'm I'm working on trying to figure out if I if I love the sport of just love endurance sport. I want to get into triathlon this upcoming year. I've been a big cyclist for the past six years. Um but I'm working on it. I guess that's that's my biggest answer to that question. Well, it's pretty cool like that you talk about that like the the eating, well, maybe not the eating disorder aspect, but like the fact that you you think about uh, your weight and stuff like that because I feel like it's something that as a male athlete we don't talk a lot about. We we feel like that it's more common in in female athletes, but and that it's not uh, something that's that's an issue with male athletes, but I feel like It's something that a lot of people talk about, and it's I was it was great that you know Sanders talk about it, and I'm actually writing an article about it right now because I also dealt with that issue uh, like throughout my career. Because and even like a few weeks before uh, before Tremblant, which I raced against Sanders, I was like you know I was, with Instagram and everything, you see like the videos and you see like how lean he is, and like you're like you're questioning yourself. Because I knew I was a few few pounds heavier than I'm usually am, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm too heavy." But like, I knew that I couldn't do anything like a few few days before the race, so I was better to race heavier, but at least with my glycogen stores uh, full. But you know, like 
as an athlete, like you, you have coaches and even sometimes you have like a race commentators talking about your weight and, and stuff like that. And it goes into your mind. And you're thinking, well, should I be, uh, should I be lighter than that? And then you see like videos and you're like, well, maybe I should be, should be lighter than that. But actually to think about that, if everyone has their own weight their own uh, body and everyone is different. Right. So, and I, at Tremblant, I had what, like one of my best race and I knew that I was heavier than I was before. So sometimes I'm like, well, if I was a lot lighter than that, maybe I could have gone like super faster than that. But in a way, maybe that was my actual uh, race weight. Because sometimes you, you need those those body fat to, to perform or you need that muscle also to, to perform like you, you learn in your, like this, this summer that sometimes being lean and like maybe you're gonna look super good and you're have, gonna have like super nice pictures on instagram and likes but sometimes it's not the best for for performance because it's it's watts per yeah. kilogram but like if you're too too lean and can push watts it's you can can go forward so it's it's hard it's it's hard to figure out like what's your actual your ideal body weight so uh, yeah. it's nice that that's your you talk about it in in your videos and yeah, I, I like this one saying that I came up with. Um, it's not about how fit you look, but how fit you actually are. You know, yeah. there's a difference with, your, you know, your fitness appearance and your fitness level on, on Instagram versus real life. And and it depends what your goals are. If you want to be a fitness model, then yeah, like, you know, you, you got to chase the lean physique. But if you're if you're dedicated and, and you're, you want great performance, then... You gotta, you gotta, gotta, you gotta get, you gotta forget about the whole thing about looking lean, you know, and just focus on the numbers, focus on the, on the watts and the pace. And the good thing is that you can actually measure it, right? You know, you know, you can measure what's your FTP at different moments of the year based on, based on your weight, and you know that like, well, if I'm too, 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 uh, too heavy, like my watts per kilogram is not gonna be good, but also if I'm too, too light. It's not going to be good either. So you need to, you're able to find the right balance. And just by knowing how you feel or how you're, you're feeling when you're climbing the hills, that's when you, you know, like what's your ideal, ideal way to, to perform, right? Because what matters is performing in whether it's cycling, triathlon or any sports. Right. So talk to me about like your journey because you've grown up in Chicago. I think you were a skateboarder and then to, to be like a, a vegan cyclist, like digital nomad in Hawaii. Like, what was your transition to, to go from like skateboarder in Chicago to, to a cyclist in in Hawaii? <laughs> so uh, I like how you said six cyclists. But um, when I was 16, um, you know, I skateboarded from like age 12 to age 18. Big on it. I had big aspirations, big dreams with that. Um, when I was 16, I ran into a friend at the skate park, and he was vegan. And it was like super rare; like this guy was alien to be vegan in this small town, small town in Chicago. And um, he had like a green smoothie, and he just started educating me about like plant-based nutrition and how it was how it was environmentally friendly, how it was helping to save animals, and all these things. And he got me hooked onto veganism, and he kind of redirected my path into a more positive one. As a skateboarder, the, the path you would normally go on is like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, partying. But he kind of like, I already sensed like that was not going to be fulfilling. 
he directed me into a path of healthy life, healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle. Um, and then, so I, I began focusing on that more so than the partying and all the things you do when you're in your teens and, you know, in your late years in high school and going to college. Um, and then, yeah, with college, I did not actually attend college. Um, it was weird. It was almost like as soon as I went vegan when I was 16, like my, like my thoughts just changed. Like I just thought about life more deeply. I would ask myself questions of like who I am and what's my purpose. And I would watch the spiritual content on YouTube and it kind of fueled me to figure this thing out. And, um, kind of helped me begin meditating and listening to my heart. I was like, all right, when I'm 18, I'm not going to college because I'm a terrible student. I really don't enjoy it. I'm going to pursue being a chef. So I ended up moving to Massachusetts, um, started working as a dishwasher at a raw vegan restaurant. I had a dream to be a raw vegan chef. Um, needed a bike to commute to work. So, you know, and I was also transitioning out of skateboarding because I would just have I have a torn meniscus in both knees. I was diagnosed with it, and my knee was constantly crumbling every time I'd go skateboarding. I would just re-injure it, have to take a month off, be like limping and walking for a month. Like my knee was messed up, so I was transitioning out of that. I was also left my friends, so it gave me even a, a, a more less urge, a less urge to actually uh, keep skateboarding. So commuting back and forth to work. I had a bum knee at the time recovering from an injury. I loved how cycling loosened up my knee. I love how cycling, there was like this free spirit behind commuting and just being in the wind. Um, and, you know, starting as a commuter, the love just built more and more. You know, I found another vegan cyclist YouTuber, um, and he was like talking about professional cycling and cycling as fitness as a sport, and I totally got into that. And I started like thinking about cadence and speed and started doing group rides at my local bike shop. They took me under their wing, you know, they, they helped me figure out my gear situation and it just kept evolving like that and ended up getting me to a place where I am now. And uh, when you like when your friend like tried to like influence you in bec becoming vegan, what was like the like the the thing that sticked with you the most, was it more the ethical aspect, the eventual aspect, the health, or was this everything together that like, wow, you were like, wow, this is like a lifestyle I want to pursue. Right. The thing that really got me hooked onto the lifestyle was just him, this guy, this vegan guy that I just, he was just different from anyone else. The, the way he would like, you know, explain things to me. It was just coming from such a conscious place, from such a, you know, a beautiful, pure place. And and I'm like, I like what's going on with this guy. I want to be more like him. And he was like three years older than me, and I kind of looked up to him. And I'm like, I want to be a better person. And I feel like this guy is is getting a grasp on how to accomplish that for himself. And I'm like, And veganism is a big part of his life, so I'm gonna do that as well. You know, I, essentially, I was trying to figure out who I was and what was my purpose. Which kind of translate translates to wanting to be a better person. Um, so it was mainly because of that, just wanting to become a better person, and I saw it in this other guy who was vegan. Yeah, and like when you want to become a better person, like the your lifestyle and your diet is such a big part of your life, and like if you can make I feel like if you can make a big choice and like a positive choice in your health, 
like everything is gonna like it's gonna follow with it right because it all starts with what you put in your body i feel like yeah it all started the journey for me started thinking about what i was putting into my mouth i started thinking about everything else i was i was consuming in my life you know what kind of relationships i was having with people what i was watching on youtube stuff like that so yeah veganism started all all for me to uh just to live a happier healthier life and when you were working in the the raw uh, raw restaurant uh, were you were yourself or were you like rotel four or like a mix of everything or i remember there was It was mostly raw till four. Uh, there was some periods, few month periods of me trying to do 100% raw again. It didn't work out. Fail, failing, I failed on it. And um, but it was overall, it was raw till four. And I would just crush big smoothies during work, 64 ounce smoothies, like twice in an eight hour shift, like that. And like being being both in like like uh, new into the cycling world in the vegan world at the same time uh i was your like your friends and your like your family like were they questioning questioning you or like trying to to tell you that you shouldn't do that or like what was your like environment at that moment mm. well i feel like my parents have always had a lot of faith and, and belief in me um and when i first went vegan of course there were some questions about protein, you know, and then to other nutrients that, you know, are typically high in animal foods that are low in, uh, in plant foods. And of course I got those questions. Um, and there's always solutions for that supplementation, etc. Um, but I was eating so poorly before that, like my mom would have like home cooked meals of like meat, vegetables, you know, some dairy or some cheese. And, and they were like, to, for a standard American diet, th that was like a healthier meal. But I was just eating like junk food, like hot Cheetos for breakfast, Rice Krispie treats, like frozen pizzas, burgers, like all this like frozen food, dinner, movie dinner crap. And my parents like saw how bad I was eating that <laughs> like anything could have been better than that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so they kind of like, were a little, you know, they were easy and supporting of the vegan diet. Um, and then cycling was obviously later on. And I think they were, they were probably much happier seeing me ride my bike more than skateboarding. I, I feel like skateboarding, they couldn't take it as, as seriously as, as cycling. And when you compete right now, like in cycling events sometimes, and like maybe you're wearing you're like a vegan shirt, do you, do you sometimes have like comments from like other cyclists? Cause I know like sometimes cycling can be like, maybe like a snub community or like it depends where, wherever you were, but like, do you get comments sometimes like negative comments about, about that or it's mostly positive? Um, so yeah, you're talking about like hater comments from cyclists, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, like, I don't, I haven't been into, into other like n niches on, on social media. I, I feel like I've been a little bit in the minimalist niche, And I would never get any hater comments, but yeah, like growing a following in the cycling community. Yeah. It's kind of brutal. Honestly, it's people are very opinionated. They're really strong in their opinion that sometimes they don't realize that they can actually be like kind of hateful and negative, um, without actually just like being like cool and, and kind and being like, 
well, this is how, how I feel about it, and this is what works for me. Yeah, there is some, I, I do notice some, like, real hate from the cycling community, even when I feel like my videos are pure and good. I mean, sometimes, like, I'll do something bad or I'll swear or I'll do something weird, but I'm always honest and genuine about it. But it seems like, yeah, the cycling community tends to be very professional. Like things got to be like this way and they got to be like, got to be professional. Um, and I wish, you know, and it is what it is. And, and hopefully we can bring some light to that and make it a little more flexible and, you know, down to earth. Yeah. Well, by, by making videos like that, I think you're in like posts on Instagram, you, you're helping like people who are just starting into the, the cycling world to, to begin and like not, not have any ju judgment about people who are beginners in cycling because like it's hard when you, you enter into this big world and you see these like cyclists with $10,000 bikes and like this crazy kit and like the the shiny sunglasses and you're, you're there with your like rusty bike and you just want to go, go ride and they're like judging. Right. You. So it's, it's good to have like people who are just trying to, to teach people to what is cycling or what is veganism or without any judgment, without any like uh, thinking that you're better than the other people. Or... Right. Yeah. It could, it could be just such a contrast and such a, such a wide range of different equipment and gear you can use. You know, sometimes, you know, when it comes to skateboarding, like you can, you sometimes pick off people's like, you know, performance level and, and, you know, performance level and their experience by the way, by the way they're dressed. And there is such a wide range of equipment. And, uh, I feel, I feel like that's part of it, but I also feel like there's, yeah, just some negativity, you know, with how cycling and some endurance sport has been brought up. And I think times are changing and I think we can have a big influence um, in a positive way to make that better. Yeah, for sure. And talking about uh, cycling, I want to talk about the, because I've seen a video or maybe a picture on your Instagram about the Waipo Hill, like the hill, which is like, like it's almost like average 25% gradient and there's like some super high pitch and I, I went like uh, I came there and I, and I, before that, I saw your video. I was like, well, that guy is climbing this on, on, on his bike. Like talk to me about this crazy eel and this like challenge to climb that, that eel on the bike. Right. So, you know, yeah. So this is why Pio Valley, this is the steepest road in America. And, um, if you don't have disc brakes, you have to walk your bike down it. Um, it, it you know, I've tried to ride down with it with, um, alloy rim brakes and carbon rim brakes and the thing is just so steep that either your rear wheel locks up or you just start overheating your rims and, and pop potentially risking damage to your rims so yeah it's like i walk down this thing and i'm like shaking because i'm like i don't know if i can make it up because this thing is just stupid steep even cars have difficulty to to go to uh, to go up yeah i've seen it yeah this road only allows four-wheel drive cars can't you can't do it with a with just a regular car um, it's got to be four-wheel drive and when you're starting to climb it you know you have to strategize you got to understand that this is going to be an all-out sprint effort unless you have really easy gearing um you know even with the you know compact crank in the front and a 40 in the back i still 
you know, with an FTP of like 300 watts, I still, which is about four, four watts per kilo or something like that. You know, I still feel like I'm sprinting up the thing. And, um, the way you have to like strategize is, uh, you know, you make sure on the easier gradients, which the easier gradients are 10%. So most people, 10% is a lot. So on the 10% gradients, you try to recover. And then when it kicks up to 45%, which is like what it actually ramps up to, it's an all-out sprint at your lowest RPM. So it's it's a crazy climb, but it's definitely a good training session, and it's it's a good way to like put on a vegan kit and impress some people who are hiking up it, yeah. you know? Yeah, there are so many places, like, like so many rides, so many places you can ride in Hawaii. You just, there's not just the, the Queen K that you can do. There's like, it's crazy the amount of, of eels or rides that you can do. It's just, just mind-blowing. Absolutely. Mauna Kea is one of them, you know, one of the, one of the tallest climbs you can ride by bicycle, you know, 13,700 feet from sea level. Um, so going then you got, to the top where there's the telescopes? Yep, to the telescopes, about 13,500 feet. I've done it before. Um, I had to walk some of the gravel section, but it's certainly doable with a bicycle all the way if you have the right, if you have the right bike. Well, that's awesome. I, I went uh, hiking on that there and like just just walking, like the altitude is pretty high. So you're like, you're feeling like dizzy and with a headache, but like going on a bike, that must be so awesome. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the altitude is, you know, the air is thin, most definitely. And like for people who want to like live your lifestyle, they want to be me, like move somewhere, like either it's Thailand, Hawaii or wherever in, in the world and like live lifestyle either on instagram or youtube like what is your maybe your tips or your advice for people who want to want to do that right you know first i i add to um to a tropical area um you know if it's to be able to train outdoors all year round which which it was for me or to eat higher quality fruit um you know have it be like okay like this is what i'm moving there for but one thing i want to say is like don't expect to move to these places and feel like your life's going to change and you're going to be much happier. Also consider the things you have in your local area that may be special to you, your family, your close friends, you know, maybe inexpensive food, etc. Um, but if you are looking to move to a tropical area, you know, and I could really only speak on in Hawaii, you know, I visited in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which seems like a desirable place to live because it's so inexpensive. The rent can be as cheap as $100 USD a month, um, and, and food can be as cheap as $100 a month, and that's really inexpensive living. Um, so my best advice to do is, you know, is do as much planning before you get there. Um, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you're lost or you can't find a place to live, which is kind of rare in Chiang Mai. You can literally rock up to Chiang Mai and just book a hotel or a hostel or an apartment as soon as you get there, which is amazing. Um, but when it comes to Hawaii, um, I would definitely come out here and visit first. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of glamour behind it, but there's also, you know, a lot of isolation out here and, you know, it's really meant for introverts. Um, but, maybe like do a work trade situation um, for someone who doesn't have a lot of money, maybe work on a farm 
Um, there's a great farm called uh, Kanekiki Farm, which is a raw vegan farm. But there's also other vegan farms that you could just easily uh, search up on wolf.com. Um, and that's the way I would do it. I'd, to, to, if you want to move the tropics, I'd first get a taste of it, first experience it, maybe come visit for a week, and, and, then, and then move here if you really, really love it. And also, like, I think what I've, I've seen and uh, read on your Instagram is like, you've had to make lots of sacrifices to be able to, to afford that the lifestyle. I think like you were living with a few people in the same, uh, like, tiny apartment to be able to, like, to pay the rent. And, like, it's not like one day you decide to be, become a YouTuber and then you're going to become like uh, a millionaire, right? It's like you need to make some sacrifices and at first only get a few views on your videos. And like... I think it took you a few a few years to just be able to get like maybe a few thousand thousand views on each video and then be able to to make some money. It's not like it's not like from uh, from when you decide to become a YouTuber, you're gonna become famous and like get the lifestyle you, you run right. It's all about like grit and perseverance. It's um, it's the same thing with training. It's like you need to put the work in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like. The YouTube lifestyle is put on a pedestal. The entrepreneurship lifestyle is put on a pedestal. But there's a lot of grit that comes with it. There's a lot of, you know, you know, in, you know, insecurity. I guess I would say, like sometimes you don't feel secure in, in, in your job, or financially. You you never know what's going to happen next month or in a week from now or tomorrow. Um, I guess not as soon as tomorrow, but you know, you you never know you. You never know what's going to happen, and that puts some stressors on your life. Um, so, but for me, it is worth it. I, I love the freedom. Um, I love the the choice of working when you want, and 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 creating a. That, the, the biggest thing is just like it, it feels like purposeful work. You you like you're making an impact for other people. You know, you're creating content for other people. It's like. Yeah, this content is not just for you. Like, and you might think it's like you got this freedom to just work on your own and stuff, but you, you, it feels you're working for your audience, you know? And I think you got to look at it that way. It's like, you, you won't go anywhere if you're not bringing enough values to the other person. And how do you see yourself in like maybe five or 10 years? Five or 10 years? You know, if I can, If I can get into a good rhythm with my training, I'm going to be honest, like, I, I want to dream and I want to believe that I'll be a professional athlete around 30, five to 10 years from now. And I, I, I like, if I fall in love with the sport of triathlon, like, I, I would want to follow in your footsteps and try to reach that pro level status and be paid for doing what you love. Um, I, I love endurance sport, but, you know, I know there's a lot of challenges that comes with it, and I'm trying to get past through them. Um, but, yeah, it's always my dream to be a professional athlete. Like, it was, like, just team sports growing up, ended up being skateboarding, ended up being cycling, and I always had a dream just to be, to reach my potential in it. And uh, it would be a dream to be paid to go play outside. So, Yeah, five to ten years. I, I genuinely want to be a professional athlete, and that sounds maybe like a big, you know, far fetch, but that is my dream. Um, and I also would love to 
have a family and kids, you know, a wife and, and a wife and kids and, and, and have like a property and a house to live in here in Hawaii. That's awesome. That's nice. And uh, like just to finish with a few little questions, like what are your favorite like food? Like what do you want to eat? Like maybe like doing a long bike ride and one you want to eat like right after you you're done. Right. Um, during the ride, um, I tend to eat, I tend to eat a lot of bars, either lar bars or cliff bars. Um, and when it, yeah. And, and sometimes I will, I will consume some gels. I'm a big fan of Huma gels. Um, H U M A. We have like and chia seeds in it or? Yeah, it's got some chia in there. Um, and it's, it's got rice syrup. That's the, that's the sweetener in it. Um, And then I, I do enjoy spring energy as well, spring energy gels. Um, and then I, I'll maybe if I stop at a gas station, I'll, I'll fill up on some juice. Um, and I love having like a juice or some kind of sports drink with electrolytes and, and some sh simple sugars in there to keep fueling me up. And then post-workout, um, lately it's been like a, a kind of a small smoothie. Um, whether it has protein powder or some soy milk, but it's predominantly, you know, bananas, frozen bananas. So maybe like a 16 to 32 ounce smoothie, I'll drink that. And then I'll have like a starch based meal. And, and typically it's been sandwiches. Like I've been really enjoying the spread called Ezekiel. I'll, I'll eat that with some guacamole, some tomatoes and some fresh vegetables. And I'll eat maybe like four or five of those sandwiches. So that's the way that's, that's how I've been fueling post-workout. Nice. And what are your favorite like books and, and podcasts that you've recently like listened to and read to? Oh, so podcasts, man. I feel like I've kind of gotten out of the loop of podcasts. <laughs> it's either music or podcasts, right? When you're on the bike, and it's it's mainly been a lot of rap music. But the only, the main content I consume is is from Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh yeah. Um. He, he's, you know, he's an entrepreneur and he talks a lot about, you know, social media marketing strategies and bring value to other people. And I watch his content mainly and then keeping up with some triathlon vlogs. I don't read books. I haven't been listening to many podcasts right now. Maybe some Joe Rogan for, for entertainment, but it's really all I'm consuming is, is Gary V on YouTube. Maybe like the Lionel, Lionel Sanders vlog on YouTube and, and uh, a little bit of the Joe Rogan podcast. And you talk about uh, rap music. What are your favorite uh, rappers that you're listening to? Um, well, I don't recommend <laughs> many rappers to listen to if you don't like the lyrics or you don't like negative lyrics. But I, yeah, listen to rappers like Juice World, St. John. I've been liking Khaled, um, uh, XX, uh, Tennision. Um, so yeah, those are some of the rappers I like. Awesome. And like final question, like if you were able to, to have a billboard and you could write anything, what do you, and like, it's visible to like tons of people, uh, what do you, would you write on it to have like, like you could write anything on it? I would write, I'm, I've been really big on this, but I would write understand that there's more to you than just your thoughts and understand that your thoughts have a big part in creating your reality 
enjoy the positive thoughts, keep thinking them, and catch and observe the negative thoughts. Catch them, let them go, take a deep breath, and tell yourself the truth, the truth you want to tell yourself. And I would suggest, I would suggest it to be positive because pos- positivity brings joy and happiness and health. Do you do lots of meditation? Like, do you, is it something you do? Like, do you try, when you meditate, do you try to observe the negative thought, but try to change it into a positive thought? Is it like part of the process? Or? It's, a, it's a strategy I'm, I'm working on right now, and it's been helping me a lot to stay happy, you know? Um, I do meditate like about 10 minutes a day. Um, but yeah, you know, when you're isolated, like Hawaii is beautiful, but you're also isolated in a way. You're far away from distractions, you know, from stimulations, even connections from other people. And all you got is yourself. And if your mindset's not right and it's negative, um, you need to, you know, I'm, I'm finding that I need to strategize and I need to, you know, fix my mindset so I can enjoy this moment. Um, you know, of course there's, you know, we need connection and we might need sunshine. I mean, there's these things that we do need to build ourselves up. But I think most importantly, you know, our mindset creates our reality. So I, I'm big on meditation. I'm big on this strategy of catching negative thoughts, um, letting them go and telling yourself the truth. I think our beliefs are our most prized possessions. I think they're the things that literally create our realities. Yeah. And I feel like, No matter where you go, like you, you feel like maybe you're like sad or depressed where you live and like you'd want to, to move into paradise, but you're always moving with your brain and your mindset. And if you always have a negative mindset, you're going to go to a nice place, but you're still going to have your, your sad and depressed mindset. So you need first to change that mindset and then uh, like changes can happen in your life because you're always going to have your, your mind and your brain with you. You can't like let that somewhere else when, while you go somewhere else. 100%. And that's, that's kind of the biggest thing I've gained from, you know, accomplishing these, these small goals that I have, you know, moving to the tropics or having a job working from home is that made me realize that like, these things don't necessarily make you happy. It's just like what's going on inside your mind that's, um, you know, impacting your emotions and, and the emotions you feel. So mindset's everything. It's who you are internally. That's what is ultimately gonna you know create a, a blissful life for you yeah for sure that's a great place to to end the podcast thank you thank you so much for your time cool. and for for people to follow you on instagram your i love the climb uh, and on youtube and on youtube it's love the climb vlog awesome and those are the best place for for people to follow or if they want to connect with you like to to dm you or stuff like that yeah definitely yeah instagram is a great place to dm and in youtube great place to uh, see see what my life is really about yeah you're an awesome account to, to follow and i suggest like everyone who's listening to to check that out oh man thank, thank you, you so man. much anton